I would hope that you have, first of all, saved each of the podcasts. And then when it's when the work concludes, you would put it all on a drive and donate it to the Historical Center. PCA. This is a podcast where we're talking about what's amazing, incredible, wonderful, noteworthy about the PCA. We're trying to stay away from all the stuff we don't like. Every once in a while we touch into it, but we're, we're trying to pull back. I am calling in, zooming in from Oklahoma City. And I'm in my office at City Presbyterian Church in OKC. Doug, I'm zooming in to you today in uh, Albuquerque from my house. And uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so this is your new house. And you also have on a Dallas Cowboys hat. How are you feeling about those Cowboys today? Uh, not too good, Doug. Not too good. No. Yeah, lots of injuries, new coaches, COVID, you know. Everybody thought the season was going to be successful, but it's shaping up to be not so much. It happens. Again. It's a weird yeah, year. My other, my other two teams are successful, Doug, so I'm, I'm, I'm content. Good. So I want to ask you my opening question today for you is, I want to imagine you took a city prez Albuquerque, which as we know, because we've been tracking, has not always been called that. It hasn't. If you put it a time capsule, what would you enter into the stuff I want people in the future to know? Like what stuff would go in that time capsule for City Press Albuquerque? Well, a rooster. It has to be physical kids, the ideas. Yeah. They're not like thoughts. Yeah. They're not so physicalities. A rooster. Okay. A golden rooster award, right, Doug? Mm-hmm. A Bible. Can I put a Bible in? Is that too cliche? Seems like it. Okay. Um, man, this is a hard question, man. I don't know what else I'd put in. I'm stuck. What would you put in, Doug? Oh, thanks for the back question. Um, I would put in a liturgy. You know, hmm. uh, here's what we've been doing. Like a bulletin? Uh, a bulletin, yeah. Pre-COVID bulletin? Sure that I had hand drawn that has a rooster that has everyone who contributed to the capital campaign for us to buy the building it's a good one. and they all signed it. But the thing is, I don't know if I would put that in because like there's only one copy. Oh, you so can make a copy. Golden rooster award, I think is a good idea. I think I would want to put in like a taco to see what happens. Like how moldy is it going to get? Taco Bell taco? Some food item just for to mess with the future time capsule openers. Mm-hmm. It's a tougher question than you thought, I think, initially here. Yeah. Well, because what we're talking about is history. 
and we're thinking about the future of history. Yeah. Which brings us unironically to our guest. To our guest. You anticipated it, Justin. I did. So our guest today is all about the history of our churches. I should put some dramatic music in right now, shouldn't I? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So I want to bring in our guest today, Wayne Sparkman. Wayne. Greetings. So good to see you. Go. So good to hear from you. Tell us where you're calling in from and what your job description is, and we'll get to all the other pertinent details after that. Uh, I'm here in St. Louis, from my, coming in from my home, uh, in my son's bedroom, actually, where we have our uh, router, so I've got the best reception here. And uh, I see some minions on the wall there, Wayne. Yes, yes. And uh, incidentally, you need uh, a list of your charter members in that time capsule, ah. and uh, maybe a zip drive with uh, session minutes, photographs in digital format of the pastors. We could go on and on. Okay, why incidentally do I need that? Because why are you, we talking to you? Well, <laughs> all part of the history of the church. Uh, I am uh, technically the archivist for the PCA. I'm not the historian. Uh, an archivist is charged with gathering material and preserving it and making it accessible. Hmm. Whereas a historian, someone like Sean Lucas, for instance, uh, would then take that material and digest it and present it in some form uh, make, to make a point or a set of points. Great. I'm glad to get that distinction. And then also, I'm hoping we can see if we can make this the most name-dropping podcast we've ever done. And I think you're the man to do it. So you just keep at it. We've only got one so far, but let's keep doing it. I'm, I'm not counting the minions. Right. So, Wayne, you are the, explain it to me again. The archivist for the denom. Or the PCA. And because the PCA received the joint, the uh, RPCES, the Reformed Presbyterian Church Evangelical Synod, in 1982, we pick up that denomination. So we're the official archives for the RPCES. That denomination was itself a merger of two denominations. This all gets confusing quickly. The uh, its final name was the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, not to be confused with the current church by that name, but uh, it was originally the Bible Presbyterian Church Columbus Synod, and then it changed their name after about four years to EPC, and they merged with the Reformed Presbyterian Church General Synod. So we've got those groups also that were the official archives for. So long and short of it is when I when I got the job it became rather evident quickly that uh, we were in a good position to try and do a good job of representing the conservative Presbyterian movement of the 20th and 21st century 
were not the archives for the OPC, were not the archives for the RPCNA, but we do collect their general records, their public records. Their so minute. let me back up. This is sort of like Oklahoma City takes the Sonics, but then they don't take all the history of the Sonics. They leave it to the Sonics, but you're saying they took it. So we got all this other history. So you're going back before the PCA because yes. they merged into another deal. So how far back do you go? Uh, 1833 would be the... Uh, 1833? Yeah, the General Synod Reformed Presbyterians. The Reformed Presbyterians split in 1833. Uh, one side of the split we still have with us uh, today, the RPCNA. And the other side of the split, um, like I said, eventually merged with the RPCES or to create the RPCES. Right, so we're going to eventually super nerd out on all this history. This is like the time. But I would think also maybe we could do a podcast or overture where we say we don't have to do that. Let's make yeah. Wayne's job easier and start it like we can say 1990, 1995. There just has to be an overture, set your date. Okay, but that doesn't matter. Wayne, how did you get in the PCA? Tell me your story of how you even got into this because I know I went to seminary with you and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I don't think you were 20. So you weren't the normal I, seminarian. No, as far I was, as I know. I was in my forties by the time I got to covenant, I had gone to Westminster seminary after college and was newly married. Oh, wait, wait. So back up, get us back further than that. Okay. Uh, how <laughs> raised Where did in, you get into the PCA? Is uh, it a covenant? No, it, I, I came into the PCA by way of an RPCES church after attending Co uh, Westminster Seminary in the late 70s. And I went to Westminster thinking I would become a counselor, but they had their counseling program tied up with their MDiv program, and I didn't want anything to do with speaking, public speaking at that time. So I opted for a, a shorter degree, never finished it until 20 years later. They were kind enough to let me finish when I got serious about exploring a call to the ministry. And uh, that's what took me to covenant. And so I had been in the in, at Christ Pres in Tulsa, which originally was an RPCES church and then became a PCA church with at the time of the JNR. So uh, I also, I went to Westminster, Wayne, Westminster, Dallas. Not, I'm here drinking, showing you my I heart Texas mug. <laughs> um, but uh, did do a lot of reform, were a lot of RP folks going to Westminster at that time? Um, yes, I'd say so. Interesting. Are you, and you were, were you in Pennsylvania when you were? No, I was in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Before that. Oh, at Christchurch. Yeah, I was raised in Oklahoma, went to OU. Where Doug's oh, here's the connection, right? RUF. Doug is like always about weaseling in Oklahomans. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Oklahomans? That's my little nodding point there. Yeah. 
You know, he likes yeah, to have should. people from Oklahoma on here. Wade, do you have some favorite Oklahoma OU memories? Uh, probably they'd be tied up with um, having become a Christian there in my sophomore year. And after about a year of being involved with Campus Crusade, uh, got involved with a counterculture or Jesus House ministry hmm. and lived a quite a lifetime of memories uh, in about two years time before going off into the army. Well, that's not sports. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, the closest I got to sports was we had a, the Jesus house was right across from the, the street from the stadium and we would give away free parking and people were leery of that. And we'd be the last parking lot filled and we'd give away free food until the health department shut us down. So what's funny about this, Justin, is I actually forget about all this. About so, like, I don't even remember all this uh, Oklahoma stuff. Sure but it's so good does. to see how it all comes together. Like it we're all interconnected. Okay, so Wayne, like before the break, what's it like to go to seminary in your forties? It was easy. No problem. Got this. No, it, it was it was difficult. Um, at one point, I had I think toward the end, I had three jobs while attending school full time. I don't know. Looking back, you wonder how you did it, but you managed by God's grace. I had like a four or five jobs, Wayne. I was I was finished at thirty nine, so um, and had four kids at the time. So it's. It's a different game doing it that way, it for sure. It is. There were quite a few uh, second career men at that time. We didn't have a lot of Dallas. We had a handful. Um, and then we had a lot of guys like right around 30 um, who had, were you know, technically second career, but they were still younger guys. Um, Dallas was a small campus at this time I went there. so. That's great. We're talking with Wayne Sparkman. We are at the break for iHeartPCA. We're talking about what's good and right and beautiful and believable in the PCA. This is a, a podcast sponsored by White Blackbird Books. Okay, we're coming back. See you right after the break. Thanks, PCA is made possible by White Blackbird Books, a powerhouse, multi-person publishing house that works to promote great ideas for people you perhaps haven't heard from yet, like Arne Quakerlaw. You'll want to get a copy of Doing God's Work and read about Arne's vision, passion, and what he has implemented in the city of Milwaukee. It's truly inspiring. Pastors out there will also appreciate the practical, kind, wise advice Randy Neighbors dishes out in Insufficient. He's pressing for pastoral competency while giving credit and glory to Christ alone. Order Doing God's Work and Insufficient and other White Blackbird titles on Amazon. Give them a read and tell others what you think by writing a review. iHeartPCA is also brought to you by Good Microphones.
Hey, we're back from the break. Hope it was a good break. Hope you like took pictures of every single thing in your house. You can send it to Wayne. He wants everything to know about anything about the PCA. But Wayne, what is the PCA Historical Center? What's its mission? What does it stand on? What does it do? Well, the whole point is to gather the history of the PCA and preserve that material and then make it accessible. And so we're looking for different aspects of that history that we can gather from time to time. Uh, We receive materials from the different agencies, from different people. I'll see on Facebook, for instance, some guy got ordained and I'll, I'm nagging people all the time for them to send me their ordination bulletin. That's the sort of thing that I, I like to have. Uh, if some particular uh, leader in the PCA might have died, I will write to the church or otherwise contact someone and try and get a copy of the bulletin there. Those are things that kind of get passed over if, if somebody doesn't pay attention to it. There's uh, congregational history materials that we receive, denominational records of the the General Assembly and the Presbyteries, um, papers of individuals who are leaders in the PCA. And then we have uh, what I would call a research library that we've been building for the last 20 years. We have about 5,000 books in that uh, section of the work. And we've added, uh, during the quarantine, how I've used my time is building a database that's online now, listing those books. And you could, for instance, go to that database and find some of the white Blackbird books. Not all of them, thankfully, or not, uh, unfortunately, but uh, (laughs) we're working on that. That was a Freudian slip there, Wayne, thankfully. Thankfully, we don't have all those white Blackbird books, Doug. Right, so thankfully, in the sense that I haven't paid for them, and he's going to donate them eventually. Oh, that's a good call there, Wayne. Yes. Okay, so Wayne, so it's a collection of physical and increasingly digital digital collection. So just work me through the space. Like this is in St. Louis, Missouri. It's at Covenant Seminary. If I walked into your office, would I see a sprawling, huge complex of bees who are all like digitizing all this stuff? Or what, what do I got? Well, in healthier times, it's just me and an assistant uh, who works 10 hours a week. Last year, incidentally, we digitized most of the presbytery minutes for all the presbyteries and PCA. So those are now available in a digital format when, when they're needed. Um, so did you just take those all from the binders, Wayne? And like, yeah, they, they come out of the binder and, and you scanned. Okay. If you were to pay a visit to the historical center, you come into the front room, which is the reading room where you would come to do research in person and then behind that, the larger room is the stacks where all the collections are. And all of that material is on movable shelving so as to conserve the space. You have uh, just a couple of aisles and the, all the shelves run on tracks and condense up one next to the next, 
Okay, so let me back up. Wayne, why does this matter? Why should we care about this? This seems like crazy. Yeah. Your Tell me, give me a why statement for this whole thing. Your history is who you are. Ah. Where you came from. Where hope, you know, perhaps where you're going. Uh, there are all this stuff that has been saved, we find to come often from time to time. There are questions that come up nobody thought to ask at the time. And it's only by digging back through that material that you're able to answer those questions. On a, on a more mundane level, I've, I've uh, saved some churches some money from on a couple of occasions where we were able to, dis, to uh, find that they had preserved the records that we needed to help them prove that they owned some property. And they were able to save a lot of money. So I was th- I was going to ask it's you that way, like mundane thing. Yeah, uh, what kind of other things do you like? Would this be of paramount importance for? So, I, obviously, I think we could get like you're writing a book and you need to acquire, you know, historical accurate information about the denomination. But and then you've given another, you know, good one, proper legal. What are some other reasons why we would? Besides repeating itself, which I think is an important question, especially yeah. in our era today. One thing that surprised me is uh, almost annually, I've had to help some guy prove that he was ordained. Oh. And that's why it's such a big thing to me to try and get those ordination bulletins from people, or hopefully uh, those bulletins get preserved in presbytery records. Well, let me mention that, so personally... I've been coming to Covenant Seminary now three times a year, four times a year, although less. And I always make it a point, Wayne, you know this, to come and see you and talk to you. Right. And I always try to have a question. And so you, I think you like visitors. Oh, you don't just like to get stuff. So, like, I mean, I've been asking questions, but. There are interesting questions about the PCA that people ask or don't ask. How, how is your calibration on those? The question. Am I doing a bad job of asking questions or a good job or what? No, you, you've asked some good questions and, and you've been a good illustration of the, the point I made that questions are always coming up that nobody thought to ask before. And questions when answered can often shed some interesting light on things. Um, One that I dug into years ago uh, was just simply, why do we sing Psalm 133 at the end of General Assembly? Mm -hmm. And when you look at the uh, Southern Presbyterian Church that we came out of, they didn't do that. It but you find out when you dig a little further, it comes from that old Reformed Presbyterian history dating back to their 1833 split. It was at the, after that split that they began to do that. It was, there's a plaintive aspect to it in which they were mourning the, the, that split. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's a prayer for union among the body. 
So when you study history, Wayne, how many splits have we had? So you said we go back, you've, you've uh, documented us back to 18, whatever, and it was starting with a split. How many splits has there been? Oh, I, I don't know that I've ever stopped to number them. The 20th century was actually a time of reunions hmm. uh, on both the so-called liberal and the so-called conservative sides. You had, um, like I said, the, the JNR was really kind of the last one in 82. Mm -hmm. And before that, the one that created the RPCS was in 65. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, over on the modernist side, uh, they had a number of different unions. And um, their last one was in 1983. So, Wayne, the thing that I've been talking to you about, I want to bring up just at least briefly on the podcast, is in 1973, there were 250-ish mm -hmm. churches, right, that joined the PCA. So I'm sort of interested in that group and that makeup of those pastors in those sessions. And I want to trace, and this is difficult, right, the 10 years before that. So who were those guys in those sessions, pastors and ruling elders in 1963? And what were their church policies and what were they doing? And then who were those guys in 1983? Right. And so that really is a church recordy stuff because they're not entering into Uh, you know, news, but even then someone's got to compile that. And so uh, as I come in, I keep on asking you, and we've had these concurrent conversations of like, where were people at in these churches and how do we track them? And that's a very archivist historian question that eventually gets some analysis but that's what I've been interested in. And I suppose I have an opinion about that, but uh, it's also a record, you know, that's not always known. You know, it, archival research takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. You've got to dig through all the material. That's why you, from time to time, will see news items about something that was discovered in some archive somewhere. Yeah. It's been sitting there on the shelf for a hundred years, right? And it was only when somebody began to dig through that material that it was discovered. You've got to come and spend more than just a a break in the yeah. trust hey meeting. You've working got to spend on it more than thirty minutes uh, doing some of that research, digging and, and so forth. My job is, is to gather the material as best I'm able, preserve it, and make it accessible. Your job is, is to come and do the research. Yeah. So let me then ask you as a follow-up, what do you want to get? So in our listeners, our tens of listeners, what do you want us to send to you, Wayne Sparkman, PCA Historical Center, and then what do you want to get rid of? 
So okay. give me those two converses of what you want and what you don't want. I'll do it in reverse order. What I want to get rid of, I have, let's say, 40 shelves of duplicate materials. I've Gen taken some of those off of your hands, by the way. General Assembly minutes, and then other things, uh, a wide range of stuff, publications. And I'm thinking about bringing those to General Assembly when it meets here in St. Louis and make those available for people to pick through and take what they want. And so that's the, th the stuff I want to get rid of. In terms of the stuff I want, I would like to see many more churches have a church historian who would then write an annual account of what the Lord's doing in that church and send that account. And it doesn't have to be something lengthy, uh, a few pages at minimum, uh, 10 or 15 pages, maybe at maximum. I've had people do a lot more and I, I'm sorry to see them do so much work, although they do brilliant work sometimes, but to write that account of what the Lord's doing in the church that year and add a representative sampling of Sunday bulletins, uh, newsletters, if the church produces a newsletter, those sorts of things. And they might occasionally, not every year, but they might occasionally add some other things, uh, a photograph of the pastor, uh, different other things that can be periodically added to kind of enrich the collection. Um, so that's church, local church history. We get presbytery records, so that's taken care of. We get general assembly records. What I'd also like to have more help in is if you recognize someone, particularly an older person in the PCA who has been a real leader, go to them and encourage them to donate their papers. And as we're moving more and more into a digital era, that becomes more and more, admittedly, uh, a matter of donating their hard drive off of their computer because they may not, may not have the correspondence files that, that an older man 50 years ago would have had. Someone like J. Oliver Buswell or Gordon Clark, both of whose papers are there at the Historical Center. So the Justin Edgar paper collection. Yeah. All of a sudden becomes. It can include correspondence files, published and unpublished works, that sort of thing. Have you uh, have you heard of the novel uh, Gilead? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that, please? The novel Gilead. Have you heard oh, of yes. that novel? I've not read it. My daughter has. So Doug hates that novel. So just so you know, <laughs> listeners, don't don't throw I Heart PCA under the bus for that because I love it. Uh, but one of the things I I've always struck me about the, the novel was how often you know he would talk. You know, he's writing this letter to his, his son, who he's a much older man, and his son is young, and he knows he's not going to see much of his life, and so he's kind of giving him a, a memoir and telling the story, his family history, essentially, to give to him. And it's this, you know, it's a it's beautiful portrait of passing down legacy and life 
through written word when that's really all you had then, you know, he didn't have video or the only thing he could give his son was written word. But one of the things that he talks about often in the book is that there's this, all his sermons are in the attic, you know, or up in his study. And he wonders if, if his son will read them or if anybody will read them. Um, so your job is that maybe somebody might read them. If anybody visits you at the PCA Historical Center uh, to read those, you know, all those sermons. Um, yeah. So should I send you my sermons? I didn't didn't list it, but I, it, it brings to mind, I would hope uh, that you and Doug at some point, uh, typically when, when this work, when this podcast is over and done with and you're not doing it anymore, I would hope that you have, first of all, saved each of the podcasts. And then when it's, when the work concludes, that you would put it all on a drive and donate it to the historical center. Uh, I might commit to doing that. (laughs) As long as we include the theme songs. It was all part of it. Yeah. And like you're in a minions room. So. Yeah. We want to make a note of that, Wayne. Yeah, maybe uh, you know that. So, I want to like we're headed toward the end here. Before Justin's like, Justin's gonna, I'm sure, ask a great last question. But I want to ask a tough last question. I don't always do this, but I wanted to bring it in because we're sort of like his, history, and it's a little esoteric in some ways. But like you know, I've gone to visit you. And which I love doing, and I would encourage everyone to do that. And when I go visit you, sometimes your son is there. Yes. Which is awesome. And so I just, I want you to like personalize also life as a Christian father. Like what is, not everybody knows about your son, and I don't want to make a big, huge deal about it, but so tell me about how you are as a father pastoring and loving your family. Uh, well, speaking of specifically of my son, Jeremy, he was born in 1980 with the condition, layman's term is water on the brain. Um, and so he is profoundly retarded or or mentally disabled and also physically um, has scoliosis and hip dysplasia, Mm. uh, has had seizures since he was 10 years old. um, And typically in in years past when my wife was working in the library there, uh, he would be downstairs with me and uh, during quarantine, she hasn't been working there, so he hasn't been going either, nor did we want him to, just to protect his health. And Jeremy has been a real delight, um, even though, you know, he would, and we were quite devastated when we got the word a few days before he was born. Uh, it was only just, I think, three days that, w- that we had knowledge prior to his birth that, that there was a problem. 
but over the years, we've learned what a blessing he's been and how the Lord has used him. And I think in ways that I will probably never know in this life, every once in a while, I get a little glimpse. Um, and I, I gather that he has impressed himself upon you, Doug. Um, he has. Um, and uh, I, I've had similar testimony from uh, some of the assistants that I've had. I had a cancer about five and a half years ago. And with that diagnosis and that treatment, uh, my boss, uh, John Robertson, allowed, uh, found, found means to uh, allow me to hire an assistant. And particularly the first assistant, Jody Van Dyke, who uh, is a pastor in another denomination now, but he made a comment about how Jeremy had had an impact on his life and those sorts of things. I don't always see, but every once in a while, like, like I said. So then uh, let me just mention, there's all these like things that we mention of the histories of our bulletins and our uh, things we substantiate and make. There's also Jeremy. He is created in the image of God and loved by you and is a member of a church. And uh, I don't want to pass by that fact. In the historical center of the PCA, there's a person. So like, you know, that really matters to me. I wanted to bring it up in this podcast. I keep threatening to write an article. I've got the title, uh, Special Needs Parents. I'm not the person I would have been had it not been for Jeremy and the effect that he's had on my life and on my wife's life, how he has changed us, how the Lord has used him to change us. I think then you're receiving information, but you're also giving out information and people need to access that because you're, you are a pastor. You're not just an archivist. You are a uh, way bigger than that. And people need to know about that. Now, when we get to the next PCA general assembly, whatever that is, you need to get stuff and give away stuff. Well, we've got stuff to give away, certainly. I want to get rid of some of those things. <laughs> but maybe people could bring stuff to St. Louis to give to you. It would be an excellent time to bring things. Big, so. huge, like, statuaries? No, no, what no. What do you want? We, you got we a ton do. of space? Rooster well, t-shirts? I think you need some rooster t-shirts. I will point out we are running out of room. And, and I, when you ask what do we want, I'll also enlist prayer. We need a new home, hmm. the historical center. We have run out of room. Covenant Seminary can't allow or find additional room for us there on the campus. We need to be praying about and thinking and working towards a new home, I think preferably in St. Louis. Uh, you could envision us moving back to Bush Lawrence. Stadium, maybe. I'm sorry? Bush Stadium. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, it will happen eventually. All right, Justin, what do you got? Hey, man, I think that that's how we should end, Doug. 
yeah. like that's a great way to end uh, hearing about Wayne's love for his son and yeah. uh, it's a beautiful story and I think it's a good tie off on us talking about history and history is people I agree Wayne I'm so thankful for you like I so, I mean, we went to seminary together and you were that guy in those 40s. Yeah. Which is amazing. The, the love for Christ and his church and the PCA to do that. And then this thing that you're doing is so important. I think it's going to pay dividends for the next gobs of years i don't even know, know how many. We've built a, i'm hoping we've built a collection that the next guy can really take it and make a big deal out of it right for sure but we gotta like go from t-shirts to tank tops so you know like pare it down get wayne what he really needs so it's uh more manageable but when you come into st louis or if you got a question for wayne I would say when you got questions for Wayne, he will do the best job he can. Help him out. Take his stuff and give him what he needs. Sounds good. The Smithsonian of the PCA is right here. Uh, so we all got to embrace that. Thank you, Wayne, so much. I appreciate your heart and vision to do this. And the like, crazy weird thing you're doing. Well, I'll, I'll close with uh, a plea for PCA authors to send a, a signed copy of their book for preservation at the archives. Ow! Whoa! We are on it. We gotta, we gotta make that happen. Okay, everybody, keep it up. And this is a easy thing to support. I agree. So let's let's make it happen for Wayne. And for us, because we actually heart PCA. Don't send your crazy stuff. Send your good stuff. <laughs> All right? Thanks, Wayne. Thank you. Thanks, Wayne. Never that clever. I Yeah.